The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. All right, good morning again. We welcome you young people to uh, head over to your Sunday school classes and uh, those in this Bible study to come on in. We're looking forward to more from the minor prophets here. Amos. Yeah, I missed last week's plumb line illustration, and I meant to get back and look at that. I still have to do that, but I'm going to I'm going to learn about that plumb line. Welcome again. Let's have a little word of prayer this morning. Join me, please. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful to be able to gather together and in this quiet of the morning on the Lord's day, the first day of the week, we devote these next moments to reading and understanding a bit more of your word. I pray that you would fill us all with your spirit, that we would be of a, a spiritual condition and mindset in which that is, is, is ready and able to occur. And also for our teacher this morning, Brother James, help him, Lord, to express what he's studied and the wonder of the things which he has learned in his, in his study over these last days. And our Father, we pray for those that are not well today, some not able to be with us for various reasons. You know all of them by name and perfectly well inside and out and how their circumstances might be relieved or how you might give them grace to meet the need of the difficulties they face at this hour We commend uh, those matters to you and pray for uh, more to come safely on the roads to this place. We thank you, too, for those that might be watching on the computer. We ask for your rich blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we welcome Brother James and you to participate today. Good morning. Welcome back to Amos. We'll turn again to chapter 7. That's where we were the last time. And in chapter 7, we were in the last part of that, beginning in verse number 10, and that's verses 10 through 17. So I want to start there again. First, to review what we saw in that section. And while doing that, take a bit of an excursus and talk a little bit more about Bethel, uh, which is mentioned in this uh, section. So let me begin with reminding ourselves of the first uh, verses 10 and 11 in chapter 7 of Amos. In verse 10 it says, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from their own land. So we see here the accusations that are brought against Amos. 
by Amaziah the priest. We spoke of Amaziah the priest with the idea that we surmise him to have been more or less like a chief priest. That the expressions and the opinion that he was stating were not merely a private opinion or not merely his own, but that he represented an opinion that were that was held by others. Probably the other priests, the leaders, the kinds of people who were doing well uh, in Bethel, I mean in, in Bethel in Israel at this time. And so he's, he le- he levels these three things. He says he's talked about he the consp- he said a conspiracy against the king. Uh, he talks about saying that the king is going to die by the sword. And by saying that Israel is going to be led away as captives to another land. As I mentioned before, to bring conspiracy accusations against or concerning the life of the king could be enough to cause a person to lose their life easily. But that's what Amaziah the priest did with regard to Amos. And so in the next uh, verses, verses 12 and 13, Amaziah pronounces an edict against Amos. A declaration, like an official declaration. He's telling Amos what he wants Amos to hear and to obey. So what does he do when he does that? In verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12, Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread and there prophesy. So we notice that he used the word seer, and we take it and understand that he's really using that not merely as a synonym for prophet, but is using it in a derogatory manner. And what he is trying to allude to here, he talks about eat your bread and prophesy in Judah, is the idea that somehow Amos is an illegitimate prophet who is in this prophecy business with a profit motive, that he's just doing it, as we say, for the money, that that's what Amos is up to. And that's the kind of accusation that he's leveling against him. And so then now in verse number 13, Amaziah knows what he wants to happen with Amos and the ministry that he's bringing. And he tells them explicitly so that Amos can't miss what he's saying. And so he tells them in straightforward language, never again prophesy in Bethel. That's pretty strong language. He's told Jeroboam the king, and we've identified him as Jeroboam the second because there was a first Jeroboam who first got all this false worship started in Bethel, and we're going to visit that again. But he says here, 
Never again prophesy here in Bethel. I mentioned that he may have had delegated authority to make such an edict, to make such a declaration, to make such an official statement to say, you, go away from here. Now, the next two lines here in my text, regarding Bethel, he says two things, the way my text has it translated. He said, it is a king's sanctuary, and it is the, brackets, king's royal residence. Now, this, to me, is highly significant. Because what this is saying is that Amaziah the priest is saying that Bethel is a place which is a center of the king's activities. That anything that's not consistent or supportive of the king's activities are just out of place here. That's essentially what he's saying. This place is more or less reserved for the king's activities. Bethel. So we raised before the question, we said, well, what does Bethel mean? House of God? Not the house of Jeroboam, but house of God. So Amaziah the priest is saying, this place that has this name that means house of God shall not be used for that purpose and is, is not being used for that purpose. It is being used for the purposes of the king. And for that reason, Amaziah is saying to Amos, you're not welcome here and your message is not welcome here. Now that, in my mind, is an amazing thing. Not so amazing in the sense that we've already read beyond and we know what happened in the history. But Bethel, I, I thought it might be worthwhile to do a little bit of an excursus with regard to that. Because Bethel has an interesting place. And I was looking at some of these sections and I and I think I can accomplish what I had in mind by having us look in chapter 27 in Genesis. And there we will find something relating to Bethel. So this has taken us now way back in history. And we're learning something about a place called Bethel. In chapter 27 of Genesis, we find something very interesting. You remember Jacob and Esau and Esau's birthright. And of how Jacob took the birthright in a conspiracy with his mother. And of how 
Jacob went along with the conspiracy that his mother designed or devised, as it were, in order to get the birthright. When Esau understood what had happened, and just a little bit of the story, I think, Lion, you you will remember that Jacob wanted this savory meal that Esau could prepare after going out, hunting and catching and bringing in and making the stew, and their mom heard about it. And so she said, well, Jacob, this is what is going to happen. Now, this is what I want you to do. I'm, just go out into our pasture and bring in, you know, one of these animals, and I'll prepare it. And, and she did. And you take that in, and you pretend that you're Esau so that you will get the blessing. And he agreed to do that, a conspiracy. And Isaac, I mean, Jacob, Isaac, I'm sorry, I think I misplaced and said Jacob, I should have said Isaac. But Isaac recognized that there was a reason to question the identity of the person who had brought the meal to him. So he said, Esau, my son, is that you? Because the voice, he said, is Jacob's. But he then he said, feel the skin. He felt the skin. Esau was a hairy man. And Jacob appeared to be a hairy man because of his mother's skill in her conspiracy. And that put some animal skin on him. And so Isaac was deceived. And he gave the blessing to Jacob. And then after that, Esau came in. And apparently the way the text gives it, he came in right away after that. I mean, it wasn't long. And then he asked about the blessing and said, this is, and it said that Isaac trembled. And he said, who? Who are you? And that he had already had his meal and he had already given the blessing. And Esau was distraught. And he said, my father, don't, didn't you reserve at least one blessing for me? And the bad news was given to him. What is done is done. Your brother came by deceit. And he got the blessing and he has it. And it will remain with him. This didn't sit well with uh, Esau. In chapter 27, and in verse 41, it says this. So Esau hated, hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of my mourning are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Those are strong words. And of course, the mother knows all about the plan. And so she goes to Isaac and she has another plan. A plan both that they both agree to. That Jacob should be sent to his mother's homeland. 
And there are two, two reasons for, for doing that. One is the safety, because he knew Jacob was in danger of Esau carrying out his intent uh, to kill him. But the other one was that he should, find, he should find a wife, because they wanted to be certain that he did not take a wife of, of the Canaanites there. I said, go to your mother's people, and from there... And so all the arrangements were made about that, and that was done. Now at the chapter 27, I'm going to look down towards the end of that chapter. In verse number 46, it says, Rebekah said to Jacob, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So that's the where he's being told what to do and he is obedient to his parents and he goes on his way. Now in chapter 28 I'm going to move along to verse number 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down uh, in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Speaking about God's people, where we see in Amos the reference to my people. Verse 14, and also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke. From his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar 
and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, by the name of the city had been Luz previously. And Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house and all of you. And all that you give me, I will surely give, of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. That's what he says. So Bethel, house of God. What significance is that in Israel's history? To have Amaziah the priest now coming along all these years later to say this place is the place of King Jeroboam number two. Bethel. I found that to be quite interesting. And there is more. And I want to point to one more thing here. Because the use of Bethel should have been continually a place for worship of God. It should have been continually maintained in that way. But it wasn't. One more place here in the history now. In First Kings. And in First Kings we will see in chapter 12. The actions of Jeroboam the second. Now this section shows what happened after the division of the kingdom. After the split. After Jeroboam became the king of the south. And Jeroboam the first the king of the north. And I've said these things before, but I just want to look at these verses again uh, together here. In chapter 12 of 1 Kings, in verse number 26, it says this. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord. What better thing could happen for the people than that their heart turn back to their Lord? And this is the thing that Jeroboam was concerned about, that they may do that, because he could understand that if they turn their hearts back to the Lord, he would be out. They would be turning away from him. And so he devised a plan. And he said, 
If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord of Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Jeroboam, uh, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, the house in the house of the Lord. If they make sacrifices in the house of the Lord. Therefore, the king asked advice. Ask advice. And made two cows of gold and said to the people, it is not too much. I mean, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. That's what it says. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing, in verse number 30, became a sin for the people, for the people went up to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. He set up a parallel worship structure that has some of the appearance of the real thing, but it's parallel and it's wicked. And it's causing the people to sin. And then it talks about on and on what happened there. <clears throat> so when we get to Amos, I'm going back to Amos now. And when Amaziah upbraised Amos and tells him about this house or this place called Bethel, and that Amos, neither Amos nor his message is welcome there, which essentially means that God is not welcome here. Now that's, that's a pretty strong position to take. And undoubtedly many do take that position. But it's a position that will lead to sure judgment. And it will not be nice. And so that's what we have in that part. So then the next portion here, we see Amos presenting his defense against the accusations that have been brought by Amaziah the priest. And he, he makes four points. And we see these in verses 14 and 15 in chapter 7 of Amos. First of all, he says, I was no prophet. I was not a prophet. So that when he came from Judah to Israel, he didn't come there doing what he had done in Judah. He was not a prophet. He said, I was not a son of the prophet. There were schools of prophets where there was training for people to come up. 
We might think about it similarly to our seminaries where people go to get training so that they can properly handle the ministry that will be assigned to them. Amos said, I was not one of them. But he said, but I did have an occupation. I had something that was going on for me. I was a sheep herder. I tended flock. I tended fruit. And so I didn't come here to get the money of the people by giving to them some kind of prophecies. That's not what I was about. And then he says, those are the negative side. He's saying what he wasn't. And then he says why he really is there. He says, I am here because the Lord commissioned me. The Lord knew where I was. He knew what I was doing. And he tapped me on my shoulder. He said, Amos, I have another job for you to do. You have to leave the sheep. You have to leave the fruit. You have to leave your country. You have to go north to a country that's not going to want you to be there and not going to want to hear what you have to say. But Amos, this is what I have for you to do. And so he says, the Lord told me, go and prophesy in Israel. So Amos being an obedient servant. We talk about that plumb line illustration from last week. And we saw that if you look at Amos and his activities, his behavior, that his wall, his behavior was plumb. It met the measure. Amaziah's didn't. And he was so far leaning that he was going to topple. It's just a matter that the time was not quite present yet, but soon it will be. So now, after delivering his defense, now Amos has some really hard words for Amaziah. This must have troubled his soul to hear particularly if he begins to sense that maybe there is some truth in what this prophet is saying. These words would grip his soul. We, hear no, we see no evidence that he ever repented of his position, but this is what Amos said. He said, I have a message from you from the Lord. Now, Amos has no personal animosity Toward Amaziah. He's not trying to be mean to him. He's not trying to degrade him. He's not trying to cut him down. There's nothing personal in it for Amos. Amos just says, I am a vessel fit for the master's use. And the master is using me to give you this message. And so he gives him a message concerning his wife. And his daughters. And he said, and his land, this land, your land. And he said, you shall die in a defiled land. Israel shall be led away captive. Those are very strong words. And Amos is saying, this is a message from the Lord. So, this is a very interesting thing. Because look at what it says in here. 
in verse number 16, it says this. You say, do not prophesy against Israel. Do not spout against the house of Isaac. That may have been a derogatory expression as well, because the word means something like drivel or something like that. And it may have alluded to what the way that the prophets delivered their messages or whatever or something like that. But it wasn't a, a good term for him to use that way. But anyway, that's what he said. So Amos says, Amaziah, you say. But then, that's not the end of the story. Because in verse 17, he starts out by saying, thus says the Lord. So you have here two statements given. You have two voices, two opinions, two choices, two speakers, two presenters, to Amos. One is sent to Amos. Don't do what you're doing. Stop it. Go away. And the Lord has already said to him, go and speak to this people. So the idea is that Amos is an obedient servant of the Lord. He does the Lord's bidding. It doesn't tell us here what Amos thought about what was being said to him by Amaziah the priest. But he knew enough to know that if you got on the wrong side of the king, your life could very well be in jeopardy. And what you would expect it to be if you got very much on the wrong side of the king. And so there is the situation there for them. And so in these verses, Amos says, this is from the Lord. Now, this then is, I call that an interlude, but we see the analogy and application of the plumb line here in that section. When we move now into chapter 8, Amos now picks up with his visions again. And the messages coming through those. In verse number one of chapter eight, he says, Thus the Lord God showed me, Behold, a basket of summer fruit. A basket of summer fruit. That might be a delightful thing to see. Especially if you've been laboring hard in your garden. And you took the energy and the effort to break up the ground and to plant the seed and to put in some fertilizer and to do some weeding. And now finally harvest has come in and you have a basket of summer fruit. That seems like a wonderful thing. Now, notice, though, the way that the language is being used by this prophet. It's a very interesting thing, because when you read that expression, a basket of summer fruit, 
Do you get any negative vibes out of that? But look at the next line here. And he said to, and he said to, I said, Amos, what do you see? So I said, a basket of summer fruit. This brings the attention. He said, the Lord showed me a basket of summer fruit. And then the Lord says, Amos, what do you see? He said, a basket of summer fruit. That gets the attention. So now then, the Lord says this. He says, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. Now that's a parallel presentation of the same idea. Those two expressions. One of the ways I understand that the Hebrew poetry and the Hebrews like to write to get the message across to the audience. But he says the end. One of the interesting things that we found is what some call a play on words here. Because the words that are translated here as the summer fruit and the word in, I understand it sounds similar in Hebrew. And in fact, one writer said that the way that they were pronounced may have been very close. And so that would set set up an interesting dynamic as to what is being done through the language so that the message might hit home. But he says, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The summer fruit. What are you, what are you going to do with the summer fruit? I was given a wonderful produce from the post of God. And you know what the intent was? The intent was not that we would hang on to it for a couple of years. That was not the intent. The intent was that soon we would consume that produce. And my daughter can tell you how delicious it was. But the idea, the basket of summer fruit, soon. And so with Israel, the message is Israel is ripe for harvest. The summer fruit was ripe for harvest. Israel is ripe for harvest. The problem is ripe for the harvest of judgment. That's the hard thing. So when you read the first part of that verse and talk about the basket of summer fruit, that's a wonderful, open, expressive, happy notion. But the next part is not. And then it says a bit more. And I'm just going to read a bit of this and we'll come back and work with this more. But look at what it says here. 
after he says, I will not pass by them anymore, and the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day. That's a phrase that we see three times here, I think, in verses 11, also 9 and whatever. We'll get to that. But he said, in that day, says the Lord God, my dead bodies, many dead bodies everywhere, they shall be thrown out in silence. Hear this. You who swallow up the needy, make the poor of the land fail, saying, when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain? Apparently they had a restriction like they had on the Lord's day on the Sabbath against doing that selling on that day. That we may trade wheat making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by the seat, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat or wheat and shaft mixed together so that we might have more profit. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will not forget any of their works. And I'll leave off there. So what we see now is that Amos delivered all these messages. First, delivering messages through narrative form, oracles. And now delivering messages through vision descriptions, which is a more vivid way to grab the attention. And then we get this interlude where the prophet is challenged and he's told we don't want what you have to offer. We don't want to hear what you're saying. In fact, get away from here and don't ever come again. We don't want this word here. Amos gives his defense. And then he pronounces what's going to happen with Amaziah and the land. And then in, verse, in chapter 8, he returns to his vision messages. And this is another one of the judgment messages. So we will end it there with a short prayer. Our Father in heaven, you have given to us this opportunity to consider these particular parts of the scriptures, the word of God, and we ask you to help us to be benefited by it so that you will get the glory. We ask in the name of him who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and with thanksgiving we offer. Amen. Thank you. Excellent. Um, you still recording, brother? Good. Um, so just let me add one thought to what James said. I couldn't uh, help but think when he mentioned about the king's house that uh, Bethel had been turned into uh, a house of somebody else, uh, they, they thought. What they were seeming to me to be trying to do was keep God out of the house. If we uh, think about our own society, that's a lot what people are trying to do is keep God out. But if you think 
rightly about the doctrine of the the secular doctrine of the separation of church and state. It's meant to keep the state out of church, not the church out of the state. So they did a very bad thing, uh, the priest there and the king, by telling God's prophet to leave. They're trying to keep God out of the state when they needed to welcome him in and uh, have the influence that he would offer to them. So, sad situation there. James, thank you. That was excellent. Very good. Excellent. Very good teaching. All right. Thus ends our uh, adult Bible study this morning. We'll take about 10 or 15 minutes. For those of you online, uh, take a break and uh, come back at about 1045. We'll begin the live stream again.